0: We continue on this week's edition of the Sports Block podcast with some more NFL draft reaction. And who better to do that with than Jeff Lloyd II from the Lockdown Browns podcast. Jeff, uh, how you been? It's good to talk with you again. And it's been a a crazy couple of months here and it's uh, it's all done now. The NFL draft is complete.
1: Um, Well, let's see, Nathan. Uh, As we're sitting here now, I guess it's Wednesday. Um, you know, the voice was definitely definitely a, a going through a tough stretch over the weekend and into the early week. We're starting to get it back, but exciting weekend. And you know, some mm-hmm. things we had talked about last week. Um, it was going to be the unpredictability of the way the quarterback position shook out, mm-hmm. and you know, how it was going to affect basically the entire draft. Um, quarterbacks dropped, I think, even further than most of us even anticipated. Yes. Um, and with that, it, you know, created. An interesting stir. Um, obviously, we had a lot of teams that felt highly, um, you know, about what this first round could offer by the amount of selections they made. You had some other teams, Cleveland Browns, who maybe said, you know, they weren't so sure about this draft, where they didn't start working until pick sixty-eight, even though they held pick forty-four. So overall, I thought it was really, really interesting, um, you know, the way it went. And like I tried to say everybody last week, if you truly enjoy just watching the draft. Mm-hmm. This was going to be a fun one to watch, and I think, you know, once he got to about pick three, nobody really had any idea what was going to happen, and it just created for chaos and fun, and it certainly was a great, great watch if you're just somebody who enjoys watching the NFL draft.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we had nine first round, or nine trades in the first round. That's a record. It didn't start until pick 11, and that's when all chaos Broke out, but before that, as you said, pick three—that's where it kind of all started. Derek Stingley Jr., the cornerback from LSU, going to the Houston Texans. I thought the Giants nailed their two first picks uh, with Kayvon Thibodeau at five and then Evan Neal at seven. I loved the process that they went through because they figured, hey, you know Kayvon might not be there at pick—you know—at pick seven. But with all three offensive tackles still on the board at that time, they're like, we, we can go ahead and do this here. We can take Kayvon Thibodeau, the, arguably the best defensive end in the group, and still get a good offensive tackle here in a couple picks. So I love what the Giants did. And then the Jets, getting Sauce Gardner, get it Garrett, getting Garrett Wilson, trading back up in the first round to take a sliding Jermaine Johnson. I mean, they, they nailed all three of the moves. The New York teams... I mean, we'll have to see, I guess, how these draft prospects you know pan out here over the next few years. But as it stands right now, they absolutely nailed their selection. And then the, the Jets getting Brees Hall on top of that in the second round. Like, absolutely crushed it.
1: Well, we'll start with the Giants. Uh, you went there first. And you know, the first thing I, you noticed with the New York Giants was... And this was a pick I do believe I had correct. And this was going to be a statement on the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, Kayvon Timido, some of his words and his actions leading up to the draft process would have turned the old New York Giants away. Oh, you know, he doesn't love the game. Da, 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 da. No, these are well-educated kids. And to know that your NFL career could be short, e- you know, either way, or to want to be able to talk about what you're going to do when you're done. I mean, look, at most NFL players, even if you're a really good one, you're done by 30. So to say, like this is what I want to do with the rest of my life, you know, it's not it's not bad to say that. So you know, maybe you know, so the Giants, I think they maybe shows that they really changed their ways. Um, taking a player like Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, you love the selection of Evan Neal. Um, getting him where they did, you know, uh, obviously there was a lot of talk about the top tackles in the class. Um, and where they you know, might go and how. I think everybody kind of had it ranked a little bit differently. Um, another selection I like for the Giants, I love the selection of Daniel Bellington, tight end out of San Diego State. Uh, I think he's a guy that's ready to go right away. I think a lot of people didn't give him the credit he maybe deserved at the tight end position. So for the Giants, uh, obviously got some playmakers here. And the one thing that I really, really like is fortifying that offensive line Look, they didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. Um, But Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback of the New York Giants this year. So at least put him in the best position possible to succeed. Um, Now you go with the Jets. I don't think this would have worked this way for the Jets if Sauce Gardner went at three. Sauce Gardner did not go to the Houston Texans. The Jets were enamored and rumored, and everybody kind of knew that the Jets loved Jermaine Johnson. The only spot for Jermaine Johnson to go into the top ten – was the New York Jets, Mm -hmm. but the Jets were faced with a dilemma. Now, all of a sudden, the number one cornerback on their board, who they did not think was going to be available at four, was now there. So, you took Sauce Gardner. Once you got down to 10, now this was the question of, you know, the wide receiver run. This is where it's going to get tricky. We had already had Drake London off the board, and at the time, Giants weren't, I mean, Jets weren't drafting again, obviously, until pick, uh, you know, later in the second round. So you take Garrett Wilson, you find a way to get back in, get a player you coveted in Jermaine Johnson. You mentioned the Breeze Hall selection, a guy that we kind of felt would go late round one. Yep, Ended up not, falls to the Jets where he did. Not only did the Jets do that, though, then you come back and you nail Jeremy Ruckert at Ohio State, the tight end. Jeremy Ruckert did not get to do much during the draft process. Probably hurt him. Um, and probably led to the reason he was picked 101 in this draft. There could have been a chance he went in that 75 range, but there were no testing numbers. Certainly hurt Jeremy Ruckett, but a huge benefit for the Jets. Um, Now the Jets, you know, offensive line looks pretty good. Defense, you needed playmakers. They got playmakers. You got one more playmaker for Zach Wilson, who's going into year two. You got another tight end, even though you had a strong tight end offseason for the New York Jets. Jets had a phenomenal phenomenal draft, and we'll see. I mean, I don't know if they are ready to contend with the Buffalo Bills this year, but you start putting some pieces into place to contend for the AFC East, I would say, starting as early as
0: 2023. Absolutely, and yeah, that's, I think, the key. You've got to build for this division because the Bills are the... The, the cream of the crop right now the class of the AFC East the Dolphins significantly better like the the AFC East is certainly an emerging division in terms of how much better it seems to be getting here. And we'll we'll see how that play, plays out here at the beginning of the year. By my count here, you had five picks right. You had three in the exact spots one, two and seventeen getting Zion Johnson to the Chargers. Then Jermaine Johnson, I'm giving that one to you, because you had the right team the right pick. They just, you know, he fell a little bit and then but uh, what do we got here, Kayvon Thibodeau to the Giants. So I, I mean that's given the uncertainty with this, with this draft and how everything could play out, I think that's really good.
1: I, I, we prefaced this when we started this, Nathan. The first thing I said is I have never been more less confident in a final mock draft. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue was the quarterbacks, and you know, and as the weekend went on and seeing where these guys went. Um, Pittsburgh to Kenny Pickett—that uh, was that was just a selection that I thought, where the Steelers said, "Look, there's—we know everything there is to know about this kid inside and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, you know, right next door, you know, um, you know, he, we desperately need a quarterback. they weren't fooling anybody with Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph as much as they as good as they're trying to make it sound. Mm-hmm. They needed a quarterback now. Otherwise, they're you know, without getting Kenny Pickett, who they think can be you know a factor for them." They were automatically the cellar-dweller of the AFC North. They did not have Deshaun Watson. They did not have Joe Burrow. They did not have Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying Kenny Pickett deserves to be mentioned with any of those teams, but Kenny Pickett, obviously, you know, for the Steelers, they went for the one that they said, look, we know this kid inside and out. It's going to be a real simple transition for him. He's been in this area forever. It's just taking off one jersey, putting on another one. So for Steelers, that was interesting. But then the rest of it, you know, Malik Wills dropping and teams not, you know, avoiding quarterbacks, trading back up. You know, that's how bad this class was. The fifth-year option wasn't even appealing. Yeah, Pickett,
0: uh, you know, only has to walk like 12 feet now to the to the left or to the right, to the opposite direction, and, and there he goes uh, going from the Pitt Panthers uh, practice facility to the Steelers facility. Uh, interesting that the Steelers, I thought, drafted Chris Oladokin from South Dakota State. Now, I like that Oladokun got drafted by them. But, I mean, I I was a little surprised, I guess, that the Steelers went that route. I thought maybe Oladokun would get drafted by the Chiefs. I know they had talked with him during this draft process. It kind of feels to me a little bit like Washington back in the day when they drafted RG3 and then in the fourth round drafted Kirk Cousins. Now, a wider gap here. I'm not saying Oladokun is as good as Kirk Cousins was or ever will be. But I was a little surprised that given the Steelers took Kenny Pickett, that they would take another quarterback in this draft?
1: My first thinking is, is you know, the, the days of Mason Rudolph and the Pittsburgh Steelers are, are probably over. Yep. Um, the other thing that it tells me about a player like Chris Oladokun is, is, this is a situation where, obviously, Pittsburgh, it's not like you took this on a whim. At some point in the line, they obviously had met with the young man. Mm-hmm. I think this is a question of we really, really like the intelligence this young man has at the quarterback position. You know, every, you know that we get these quarterbacks who you know, make their way, Chase Daniel, in the NFL, 11, 12 years, barely ever play. But the point is, is, you know, what they see, and sometimes, you know, you're a smarter football person than you are a football player. I think for a selection like this, that's going to kind of, kind of tell me maybe about Chris Oladokun is that this is a player that they really, really liked, mm-hmm. understanding maybe there's limitations, maybe he won't even be much of a factor, but, you know, somebody that Kenny Pickett can sit with, you know, they can work together, somebody who maybe just truly understands the game. And it is kind of funny, it's kind of rare when you get that out of a smaller school, obviously like South Dakota State, mm-hmm. but obviously there's something there that really, really resonated with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Press. Yeah,
0: I'm curious if, if Oladokun will take over that third spot, and like as you said, if Mason Rudolph stays right Because that's the obvious, uh, I guess the obvious name that would be out. I think they would keep Trubisky, I don't think they would keep Rudolph, and they've seen Rudolph for a number of years. Uh, you get... Uh, Desmond Ritter going to Atlanta. You get Matt Corral going to Carolina. Malik Willis going to Tennessee. I I would say like Atlanta and Tennessee may be in the market for one of these top-tier quarterbacks in the 2023 NFL draft. Certainly Atlanta, I think, is going to be one of the bottom feeders of the league this year. But out of all the quarterbacks that went, and even Bailey Zappy, you know, going up to New England, uh what quarterback do you think landed in the best spot considering everything that that transpired with this class?
1: Uh, I think for Desmond Ritter, I think this is a really good opportunity for him. Just from the fact of, look, you talked about Atlanta, probably not going to be a really good team this year. Will they be looking quarterback in 2023? Look, Marcus Mariota, look, he's been in the league forever. Nothing against Marcus. But if you're the Atlanta Falcons, do you want to give 15 starts 13 14 15 starts to Desmond Ritter uh, you're not going to contend uh, Tom Brady coming back there basically you know took everybody has shot in the NFC South until Tom Brady said after three weeks no 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 I'm mm-hmm. playing football this is all I know how to do mm-hmm. that kind of closed the door on the entire division so if I am the Atlanta Falcons I'm giving Desmond Ritter a lot of starts he's probably going to start in the teens for me games I'm gonna find out did I get the guy did I get him is, is he the guy? Malik Willis in Tennessee is interesting. Um, you know the athleticism. Um, you know they can do some things with his athleticism. As far as you know, with Derrick Henry, um, you think about what the Ravens do with Lamar Jackson and their running backs. The spot where obviously you know, it, you know a lot of the sprint draw stuff or the read option type of stuff. Am I giving it to Henry? Am I keeping it? Um, obviously, their wide receiver room is completely changed in Tennessee <laughs> yes. now. But um, yeah. then moving on from AJ Brown. I don't understand that move. I, I was I stunned by it. it. Like, that doesn't make for, any like, sense to me. For me, me like, I, I'll tell you right now, I would have got, I would have thought I would have got rid of Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. And started over at the quarterback position. I mean, because if you're saying you couldn't pay A.J. Brown, but meanwhile, the money you're paying Ryan Tannehill was absolutely nuts to me. Um, But I do like maybe the future of Malik Willis with the Tennessee Titans, really strong defense. You know, offensively, if you run the ball well, obviously you can maybe control some of the clock. And you always keep that defense fresh to make big plays. Um, I, I like Willis's situation. Um, everybody making a big, big thing about what Ryan Tannehill said. Uh, whatever you know, for me, I have no problem with anybody being honest. You know, his, his thinking was is, and and basically what he did say is, you know, I, I'm not going to slow down what I got to do mm-hmm. to get the kid on page. The kid better be on page. He's got to work double duty. I don't. Yeah. I'm the veteran. So, but I'd like those two situations. I think Desmond Ritter is going to start a lot of games for the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to see exactly what they got. Can he and Drake London, and of course, you know, Kyle Pitts? Can they be a thing? So this way, even though the Falcons aren't going to win a lot of games this year, they're back in the top ten again. And maybe you know, they're in an enviable position because maybe then some teams can be up coming up for quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Falcons could go down a little bit, get a bunch more assets here. So I like the situation for Willis, and I certainly like the situation for Desmond mm-hmm. Ritter going to Atlanta.
0: Yeah. And I think Tannehill's days in Tennessee are numbered. Certainly, and well, they, his comments. What,
1: what did we say? I, I do believe I mocked him a quarterback in my mind. Yes,
0: you did. Desmond. Ryan Ritter.
1: Tannehill has gotten that team as far as he is going to get them. Mm-hmm. If this, if the Cleveland Browns did all they did this offseason with the thought process of. You know, and Baker Mayfield was only in year four as opposed to Tannehill who's been in the league forever. And, you know, the the Tennessee Titans need to be in the understanding of the belief of, of we've seen how far we can go with Ryan Tannehill. It's time to start looking towards the future. And they did just that.
0: Yes, I mean, and it wasn't just his comments on Ritter, but saying, oh, he was in a dark place after that playoff game and he you know he had to you know go see a sports psychologist or what i mean there's a there was a lot there in that in that con- press conference that he had that makes me think like okay yeah, his days in Tennessee are certainly numbered unless something happens. And between the AJ Brown trade like Traylon Burks is a is a good pick, but he's nowhere near A.J. Brown. Like the, the Tennessee Titans. Nope, not in close. Were, were the Tennessee Titans were one of the major teams that took a significant step back with this draft. Or not a team, I guess, maybe not a significant step back, but they certainly didn't. I guess help their team and take him to that next level. I mean, I think the Colts are going to win that AFC South now, going away just with what happened with the Titans over the weekend.
1: Uh, I agree with you. Um, I, I'm not going to guarantee it, but I, you know, you tell me if it was Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown, as opposed to now it's Ryan Tannehill, Traylon Burks. Yep. You're not going to tell me you're a better team. No. And the whole process of the the whole process of the NFL draft is to make your team better. Yeah. And to believe that this is going to be the case right now. I, I just don't see it. I don't. I, I totally agree with you. Um, Tennessee's defense is good. Yes, it's really good. But you know, the whole point of this is to come out, you know, and think that you're a better team than you were previously. And for the Tennessee Titans losing AJ Brown, yes, you got Traylon Burks. I understand. And you know, for a lot of people were excited on Traylon Burks. A lot of people maybe you know, a little bit nervous about Traylon Burks. But, again, you're just not going to tell me that, you know, the Tennessee Titans made a step forward with the actions that they made this weekend. Um, I I just don't see it. And and one thing is A.J. Brown carried basically, you know, that Titans badge. He carried that team Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, being a team leader, being a huge contributor. So, you know, it, I, I just don't truly get it. And, and looking through here, I mean, I like the pick of Roger McCreary. But again, we talked about the defense. We liked what their defense was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, added offensive line at Ohio State. Um, you know, added the running back in the scene, Haskins. And he's a tough physical runner. So you have some, you know, uh, you have some insurance there. If, you know, Derrick Henry misses some games. I love Chigo Gull Conkle out of Maryland. But I also stand understand he's maybe a year away. It just seems like this could be a year where, you get a what a ten and seven, you know. You could get a nine and eight possibly out of Tennessee, and you know they're. I, I just don't think they are going to be the team that they've been. If they win the AFC South, it's going to be a struggle. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a close. Jacksonville is going to be better. Houston is going to be better. Mm-hmm. We know the Colts look like they're going to be better. Um, yeah, rough weekend for Tennessee. I mean, sometimes business is business, but if you're telling me, you know. Ryan Tannehill's money is okay, but it wasn't okay to give big-time money to A.J. Brown. I'm sorry. I, I, I you know, that, that dog don't hunt, man.
0: Yep, I, I agree. And I think, you know, it, now granted, last year Derrick Henry got hurt and missed a bunch of the season. You know, they had injuries uh, to Julio Jones and A.J. Brown at times. And then but they AJ, played well. They yeah, played well yeah. through that. They still won the division. Yeah, and so you that's, know? Yeah, that gives me a little pause to say, like, to immediately kind of dismiss them. but. Boy, it seems like it's all. It, it, with the way the AFC has transformed this offseason and the arms race in the AFC West and the AFC East teams getting better and the Browns getting Deshaun Watson. I, that, where are you. And then the Colts getting Matt Ryan. Where? How are the Titans going to get above that? That's the part that I. I'm very confused by. You know, A.J. Brown goes to the Eagles. The Eagles uh, crushed this draft, I thought, you know, if you're counting A.J. Brown as a draft pick. But you get Jordan Davis. They did really well. Baltimore getting Kyle Hamilton and Tyler Linderbaum and David Ojabo. I mean, it was like the Baltimore Ravens just, again, it always seems like they nailed the, the NFL draft with the picks and they didn't have to move back for, you know, you know, Hamilton just falls to them, and the Eagles did a really good job. I was impressed by both of those teams as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, this is what they do. Yes. And, you know, I obviously dealt with some Browns fans. Oh, you know, how did you trade out a 44? You know, you let Ajabo go to the Ravens. Look, you don't draft a player because you're concerned that somebody in your division might take them. That's not the way you do these things. But, look, I mean, David Ajabo, it's going to be a long road. And, you know, years mm-hmm. ago when we used to be concerned about ACL injuries— um, when we used to be concerned about knee microfracture surgery, that's kind of where we're at right now with the Achilles. Um, it's you know Cam Akers is the you know is definitely the outlier of that entire scenario. This doesn't normally happen where we're going to see a player bopping an Achilles, mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, we see him four and a half, five months later. It don't work that way. But look, the Ravens do what they do. They've always drafted well. Um, the key for the Ravens, though, I mean, in a lot of the nice selections they made. It's you know, yes, they needed to improve the defense, but you know, you've got your two top running backs coming off of ACLs. Yep. Lamar Jackson is not happy by any means whatsoever. Um, you move on via you know, Hollywood Brown is a big loss. But the problem is and, and, and I go back to this with Lamar Jackson for the entire time he's been there, is the Ravens don't know what works for him as far as the wide receiver position is concerned. Mm-hmm. They don't know. Mm -hmm. So many guys have been in and out of that wide receiver room in Baltimore, and part of it is if they're just going to continue to do this, there really isn't a wide receiver for that team. You know, because first off, there's an emphasis on blocking, and the former wide receiver in me laughs, that most wide receivers do. Are you talking to me about blocking? Blocking? Seriously, (laughs) you're talking to me about blocking? Yep, Bro, throw me 130 balls, I'll catch 90 of them for 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns. Don't talk to me about blocking. You know, Hollywood Brown asked out. And the other point with that is Hollywood Brown, Lamar Jackson, they were close.
0: Mm-hmm. It,
1: it kind of, it kind of tells me, and makes me wonder is, you know, is Lamar Jackson sure his future is in Baltimore yep. because it kind of says to me, like Hollywood Brown said, maybe he's not so sure. So then, you know what, then let me get out now. And you know, it, it, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, Baltimore needs to rebound tremendously on the offensive side of the ball this year yep. to have an opportunity, obviously Cincinnati, um, I don't know if Cincinnati is going to win that AFC North again, but I'm not saying that uh, Cincinnati is not going to be you know in the running for it. Right. Cleveland certainly has become a much much better team if Jadavian Clowney, like most of us feel, returns. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that is a team that does not necessarily have a flaw as far as the roster is concerned. Um, you know, so just some thoughts there.
0: Yeah, and uh, who does Bolt, who does Lamar Jackson have to throw to besides you know you got Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews? Well, at some point. You know you're going to need someone else to step up and you know when the another. browns
1: play seven secondary players i think they're not going to have that much of an issue covering two, two, two receivers
0: yeah yep i i agree uh you know it's speaking of wide receivers blocking uh, apparently that was a, a real big factor or that's something that matt lafleur the packers head coach really liked about christian watson now you know, like the Packers could only do this, you know, where they draft two defensive players in the first round. They had two selections. They don't even like their defense is going to be really good. Uh, I guess the, you know, I'm surprised they didn't try and trade up for a wide receiver when everyone was, was going after it. Maybe they didn't make as big of a, a play for Debo Samuel as, as we thought they would yet somehow they trade up with the Vikings for pick 34. And I'll get to that in a second. But if, if LaFleur is going to go on for a minute about Watson's blocking, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I see the potential that Watson has, but he has some drop sees from time to time. Yes, the the Packers got him a wide receiver, but if, you're, if your emphasis is on the blocking, that signals to me maybe a change in MO on how the Packers might be operating their offense this year. And certainly from a weapons standpoint for Rodgers to throw to, uh, I'm a little suspect on that.
1: Uh, For me, some things I've heard is there were some rumors that Green Bay, once the wide receiver run started, were trying to trade up. Look, the Green Bay Packers, they were number one seed in the NFC last year. I don't think anybody was in any shape, way, or form saying, hey, we're going to do the Green Bay Packers a favor. I I think that's kind of what happened. The wide receiver run for the Packers obviously started way, way too early, even though they held those two first-round picks um so that became an an issue for them going further no doubt for me one thing and this is where it's going to get a little wonky i mean look christian watson you know with the limited production there were drops athletically he's there mm-hmm. and here's going to be the problem if he comes even close remotely to struggling early aaron rodgers at his stage of his career that's a doghouse you don't always get out of no. it's a really difficult spot for christian watson to be in and I, and Look, I said this when we did the mock draft. I feel bad for any wide receiver, even if it was one of the top ones in the first round, that went to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is not the easiest quarterback to play with. Look, all the money in the NFL Devontae Adams has made, look, you know Aaron Rodgers obviously was the guy throwing him the ball. He still said, I'm good. I'll go back to the guy I knew before I came to the NFL. I'll go play with him. Mm-hmm. I think, and this is where it could get tricky, Romeo Dobbs, who they took at pick 132 in the fourth round, could be the more productive receiver in year one. He's more of a chain mover, had 2,000-yard receivers his last two, two, two years at Nevada. Christian Watson, this is a tough, tough spot for a guy who did have drop issues and certainly does not have the amount of opportunities in the passing game that most of these wide receivers, in the, you know, top 15 wide receivers, top 20 wide receivers – Christian Watson did not have the amount of opportunities passing reps that these guys did. This is a really, really tough spot for Christian Watson, a player I like, and I like the potential of him, and I think he got drafted right around where we thought he would go, Mm -hmm. but this is a tough spot. He drops one ball in August that Aaron Aaron Rodgers throws. I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers is going to be so quick to go back and call that kid's number.
0: Mm -hmm. I would agree with that, and you know the The Packers got Watson because they traded up with the Vikings. And trading with your arch rivals aside for a position that you... Like, when the trade happened, you knew that's who the Packers were trying to go for, that that position. Like, they obviously need a wide receiver. And when it comes to Quizzy, I like... I'm fine with the trading down cuz the way the board played out Thursday night I was like okay you know trading back is fine 12 to 32 and I like you know them getting seen you know the safety from Georgia that's that's good I like the picks that they made but it's the compensation part that really irks me regarding these trades to not secure a first or a second round pick next year with either Detroit or Green Bay for those uh for those trades and then trading a fourth round next year with the Raiders It just feels like he was maybe overmatched a little bit here. Did he try and play it too cute? I just don't understand how with those two trades specifically with Detroit and Green Bay, that you don't secure even a second round pick in next year's draft. That's, again, it's not necessarily the players they drafted, but it's the overall compensation they got back. And that's what really frustrates me and I think a lot of other Vikings fans.
1: And this obviously had been some conversations over the weekend, and you know we could get to a year from now and say, hey, those were fun conversations where we all mm-hmm. look like an idiot, mm-hmm. right? Um, but there are some things here. Now, look, you know, you have a guy going through your first NFL draft. You know, who knows the way the Vikings thought this was going to work out? You know, with the Vikings, like most of us, that just thought, screw it, quarterbacks are going to go early because they're quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, and that did that maybe kind of mess up. You, the plan did that mess up the board for the Vikings? But look, right off the bat, you look at this with you know Lewis side, and you look at this with Andrew Booth. Both these guys, they can play. These guys can play. Yes. These guys will play in the secondary immediately. Yeah. What means, are no you? Doubt about it. What are you looking for? I mean, in order to be able to be better against teams like the Green Bay backers, you better be ready to go with some secondary play. The Chicago Bears, you ain't worried about that. I don't think. Because uh, they ain't doing it. Hey, Justin Fields and that team, any papers over there? Detroit Lions, yeah. obviously, some improvement. I think was what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, yes, again, you know, the way it worked out, um, you know, you think Questy should have gotten some more in return, and especially the franchise that he came from, because um, you know you look at the way the Browns did this. Not only do the Browns still walk out of the 2022 NFL draft with nine picks, they added two picks for 2023 as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like, well, you know, were you always involved in those meetings? But look, you know, this is something, and we always can do this post-draft, and, you know, we can look back, chuckle later on, maybe we were right, maybe we were wrong. But if signed and Booth turn out to be the players the Vikings think they're going to be, and make the Vikings a team, and look, the NFC, it ain't going to be that hard to get a wild card in the NFC. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not going to be that hard. You know, you're going to get most likely one NFC East team. You're going to get Green Bay winning the North. You're going to get Tampa. The West, it's going to be a lot of people beating the living daylights out of each other. You know, 10 and 7 might get it done. Mm-hmm. And if the Vikings can improve that defense with these two secondary players, that just might be enough.
0: Yep. I, I And I agree with there uh, forever now, though, at least that while they're with their respective teams. Uh, however, Jamison Williams and Christian Watson do against the Vikings in particular. Everyone's uh, at least Vikings fans are going to go back to those two trades made over the weekend and say that we gave them this and they've torched us. So could come back to haunt them. Uh, a couple other uh, cookies to close here. What what were a couple of picks that uh, you really liked, and then on the flip side, what were a couple of picks that you're like that just surprised you and said? Saying, "What the hell was that team doing drafting him?"
1: Um, yeah, definitely were a couple of those, no doubt about it. Uh, for me, one one pick I absolutely loved, and this is going to go a little bit later on here. Um, uh, was the Browns' selection of Parion Winfrey yes. at one eight? Mm-hmm. This was a player I, I was talking myself into at forty four. Um, the Browns, and I, I I've already made a point on my shows. I am not talking about 330-pound run-stuffing defensive tackles anymore for the Cleveland Browns. This is now year three of Andrew Berry. It is something they do not seem to care about. It is all about whether or not you can penetrate. Barry on Winfrey, five-and-a-half sacks, great senior bowl week, 35-inch arms. For the Cleveland Browns, I don't care if you're playing on the interior or you're playing on the exterior. It's getting to the quarterback. That is what the Browns care about. So, I think Perry on Winfrey, in my opinion, they got the best inside pass rushing defensive tackle in the draft. And they got him at pick 108. Yep. Um, biggest head scratcher as far as on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I'm not going to say Jameson Williams. If anybody saw the pictures yesterday of him holding his jersey, it had one of those feelings of uh, Jameson blink twice if you want us to come save you. Cause it looked like he was there was uh, Aiden Hutchinson smiling with a big old smile, and Jameson Williams was like, I, Yeah, I, I'm in Detroit. I don't even know what state this is. Um, he certainly looked like a guy who had no idea. Okay, and, and, and look, you know, we'll do this, and he'll probably turn out to be a pro bowler, he'll probably end up being a second team all pro. But Cole Strange. New England. Yeah. What are you doing? You're talking about this guy I I talked I reached out to five people that I truly respect in this draft. And I could not find one of the five who even had him as a top eight interior offensive lineman in
0: this ne- draft. Neither did Sean so McVay. Was one,
1: <laughs> that was one it was just like like well what do you like well, what do you do? Well, then just trade out and you know, at least just take him in the second round. Nobody's gonna fault you there. But Cole Strange going 29th overall, I mean, that for me was just like that what in the world just happened. Obviously, you saw the Rams' reaction. Um, but the Rams' reaction, and, you know, so people are like, oh, well, you never questioned Bill Belichick. No, 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 no. Anybody who saw that selection of Cole Strange, we all have the same thought process of what the hell did yeah. you just do?
0: Yep. no, oh, I I agree. And then also, uh, head scratch for me, and it, I – I don't get, it's got to be the pec injury, but I was, I was so upset, you know, whenever the Vikings would come on the clock or any of these other teams that N'Kobe Dean fell to the third round and pick 83 to the Eagles. I mean, that's an absolute steal there. Yes, he might have a few soft, you know, like soft tissue issues or whatever, but I mean, at the end of the day, this was the best defensive player on the best team in America, in college football, with the best defense, like a historical defense. How N'Kobe Dean falls to 83 is beyond me. Eagles absolutely got to steal with him.
1: Look, whatever happens with N'Kobe Dean, um, and if the Eagles end up having to wait a little bit on him, that's fine. He's pick 83. Pick 83, there's a really good chance pick 83 ain't going day one anyway as far as playing for your team. Um, So that was just a great that was just a move of this is a really, really good football player, and we're going to stop the slide here, right here, right now. The problem is is everyone looks at the Kobe Dean and says, you know, great you know, great linebacker. But behind the scenes, a lot of people are saying this is a guy who's built like a safety, and that's the issue you're going to have. If you're going to keep him that close to the line of scrimmage, and we're talking about, you know, he's going to go outside, and he's going to be dealing with a 325-pound guard who's pulling, and his job feeding his family is annihilating linebackers. How is N'Kobe Dean, at the size he is, going to be able to hold up? The other thing is, there's questions about his injury. Was he told to take care of it? And he didn't. If That's the way it worked out. Teams had issues with a guy who maybe went against the grain or didn't maybe necessarily do what he was told to do. Mm -hmm. So that kind of creates a little bit of an issue. Um, Look, for me, I don't care what size N'Kobe Dean is. You look at the NFL now. You look at the way the game is played. There's a spot for him. He's fast. He's quick. He can cover. He can do all the things you ask of him. And as we make more and more of this progression of basketball played on grass, you're looking for players who can do things like N'Kobe Dean. Mm -hmm. So my thing is, make sure and keep this stuff in mind and let's make sure we're not putting the Kobe in positions where he's going to get annihilated by offensive linemen. Guess what? They did that by drafting Jordan Davis. Yes. Jordan Davis will make sure the Kobe is going to stay clean mm-hmm. because once Jordan Davis gets on you is over. So, I mean, I think it was a great spot to where he fell as far as you know, going to play with Jordan Davis, who's obviously with a huge factor in keeping N'Kobe Dean clean to make all the plays he made down in Georgia. Yeah. So I think it was the perfect scenario for him. Eagles get a win. Obviously, you know, there's always the chip on the shoulder storyline that'll be played with N'Kobe Dean. But I think he ended up falling in what could be the best possible scenario for him. But also keep in mind, injury or no injury. There were a lot of people who said, the other Georgia linebackers were going to end up going before N'Kobe Dean. Mm-hmm. Part of that was size. It's just a fact. Sucks for the kid. Um, but it's a situation, and the NFL draft is always a fickle, fickle business.
0: It is. It sure is. I mean, look at uh, – I mean, they invited Malik Willis to the uh, to the draft room, and he didn't get drafted until the until the third round. So you just never oh, 100%. know. 100%. It's, it's the ultimate reality. show. <laughs> so, Jeff, I, I appreciate the time so much that you've given me over the, the last month, over these last few months, these years and stuff doing this. I love talking NFL draft with you. I love talking prospects. Uh, you know, enjoy the enjoy the offseason. Is, is there such a thing? Enjoy the summer. And uh, I can't wait to talk with you about next year's prospects here uh, once the college football season begins. But uh, take care and be well.
1: Well, Nathan, there is no such thing as the offseason. Um, just a little plug here. Um, with Locked On Browns, we yes. are going to make the transition. It will now be also uh, you know available. We're going to YouTube route as well. Um, and for me, if, if this month, and, you know, like anybody will say it, look, we all did this for free for a long, long time. We just love the NFL draft. We love team building, you know, within any sport. Um, and, look, as crazy as the month of April is as far as, you know, the NFL draft leading up to it, draft weekend with it itself. Um, it's, you know, if it's something you truly love, yes, it's a lot of work. But there ain't nothing better mm-hmm. that you can say something is work that you truly love. And we got to see that this year. Um, and look, you know, we're going to look ahead to next year. It's going to be some quarterbacks, you know, which is going to change the way the landscape of that is. Um, But now, you know, for everybody, a little bit of time, a little bit of downtime, you know, know, obviously a little more family time here, but, you know, weather's getting better, summer's about to hit, and before you know it, it's going to be August, and it's going to be time to go, because nothing goes faster than the summer, so, Mm -hmm. um, you know enjoy it Nathan I always appreciate our conversations I enjoy them I mean I gotta think it's me five six years now that we've probably been doing this if it's not longer Mm -hmm. and always always enjoy the back and forth my friend you know that
0: yep I and I look forward to to doing this again next year and for many more years to come you're the best Jeff I always appreciate it go check out the locked on Browns uh podcast and the YouTube of now the YouTube channel it's going to be great you're going to continue to do great work there appreciate it enjoy the summer. you know, be well. Uh, have, enjoy the time with the family. We'll talk soon, my friend. Right back at you, Nathan. All right, thank you, Jeff. Jeff Lloyd from uh, the second from the Lockdown Browns podcast again. Best in the business. So appreciate his time over these. Uh, last few weeks and the months it, it's just great um so that's that and uh, that's a wrap on the 2022 NFL draft we look forward now we look ahead to the NHL playoffs the NBA playoffs continuing the NFL schedule being released here next week looking forward to that major league baseball continuing um but of course again our, our thoughts are with marcus and his family on the um tra- the, you know the tragic un- untimely death of of his father and um, uh, thoughts and prayers with him. And hopefully uh, we'll get him on here at some point when he's ready. Uh, and we look forward to talking hockey and I'll give him uh, much of a platform as possible. If he wants to talk about his dad, because there's nothing more important than family. So again, thoughts with, with Marcus and his family as they're going through that. Um, and that will do it for this week's edition of the sports block podcast. You can find us on iTunes, so the sports block, follow us on podcast. Or find us on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at IndyStack, and Travis Crins on Twitter at Travis Krins. Uh Jeff on Twitter at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd at Locked On Browns at Locked On Browns. Uh, link to the podcast posted in the middle to later part of each week. Appreciate you listening. As always, we'll talk next week. A lot going on. NFL schedule, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, MLB. Plenty to get to. Sports doesn't stop. It Maybe some lulls here and there, but it really never stops. So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, thank you so much for listening. So for Travis and Jeff, I'm Nathan. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.